Welcome to Sisters Inc., our podcast for and about women business owners, brought to you by Black Enterprise. I'm your host, Elisa Gums. Black women are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in America. And on every episode of Sisters Inc., we sit down with one successful CEO and share how she slays the challenges of being a black woman in business. Today's episode is all about taking your brand national. We're chatting with Chef Liz Rogers, the founder, president, and executive chef of Creamalicious Blissfully Southern Artisan Ice Cream, one of the only Black-owned national ice cream brands in production. Welcome to Sisters Inc., Liz, and thanks so much for sitting down with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me today. You've been a chef for a long time. Um, Tell us where your passion for food came from and what your career was like before you started Creamalicious. My passion for food actually came from just really with my grandmother and my mom cooking with them both. Uh, So it was kind of a sweet, savory combination kind of. My aunt was sweets and my grandmother was sweet and my mom was more savory. So, you know, um, it was a really great way to just grow up around, you know, three very strong women that were very influential in my life. And that was how we kind of connected and spent time. And I have three brothers. So my mom was a single parent. She was a welder. So I cooked for my brothers all the time and helped take care of them while she was at work. So I just really, um, I really had this passion for food. But I think um, it really started to resonate with me because my mom's dream was to actually own restaurants. But because she was a single parent, she didn't get to live out her dream. So it was kind of like, you know, I wanted to make sure that she can live that dream through me. Oh, wow. That's amazing that your mom gets to live her dream through you. Um, So when you started out as a chef before you before Creamalicious, what was your career like? So before Creamalicious, you know, I did sales and marketing and branding. So I owned a national advertising agency for 10 years. So um, really became super, really good at sales. You know, I really love meeting people, interacting, um, just having my own sales techniques and just really just branding myself and, and just learning more about the sales sales industry, working on commission, telemarketing, kind of, you know, just different different points of advertising. You, you just look at some of the things that you actually do um, prior to what you really do and you love, and it just prepares you for today. I can imagine that having a background in sales and advertising is a huge benefit when you decide to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, it is because, you know, you get told no a lot. So it kind of um, prepares you for rejection. Um, And it just really, you know, it it makes you stronger because you you just got to keep going until you get a yes, until things start working out and then you build. So why did you choose ice cream as your next step? I love sweets, period. So I love dessert and um, ice cream is the world's number one dessert. So I thought it would be really cool to uh, make the ice cream taste exactly like the dessert. So I am a restaurateur by trade. So we sold really amazing desserts inside the restaurant and they were homemade. So I was like, this would be super cool to make a pint of ice cream that tastes exactly like a sweet potato pie. So just being a little bit more innovative, I just wanted to go into that dessert category in that space and be what we should be, which is very different, a two-in-one dessert, very innovative and create our own dessert space and our own dessert category. 
When you first founded Creamalicious, what was your vision or your plan for how consumers would get the ice cream? Because back in 2014, there there were no national black ice cream brands. Yeah, I think I think my vision was to kind of sell it in 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 the in the restaurant and just get some feedback from there. And then I thought, let me try a few retailers. And um, really, I I didn't have a bro- any broker representation or anything like that. I really just did uh, my own sales pitches, my own decks, and and called up a lot of the category managers. Some told me no, and some told me yes. And you know, I just decided to you know really bring something whimsical to the category. Uh, Cream Malicious is a very authentic brand. Um, it's not just a dessert, it's an experience. So each one of the pints, they do have a story and it's about real times, real people, better times, you know, and it's about family, it's about love. So I really wanted the consumer to really engage in what they were actually eating and just the origin of where the dessert came from and what did that dessert mean to you? Um, and just really just look at, you know, how we're dealing with unprecedented times. And then now it's like we find that we all have something in common. We all love ice cream, you know, so we can find something just like a common ground that just for a minute, you know, nothing else matters but this spoonful of goodness. A spoonful of goodness. I like that. Um, and I love how you say that each of the pints is an experience and it has a story and it's about family because that's really innovative too. Like I can't think of another ice cream brand out there that really has such a tie to family. And, you know, I'd love for you to share some of, you know, the, the family stories that go with the ice cream, because I think, especially in our community, when when we read the flavor descriptions, we all are like, mm-hmm, yep, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I have somebody like that in my family or, you know, we definitely resonate with it. Yeah, like the peach cobbler was was a really big one for me, um, porch light peach cobbler, um, because, you know, waking up on, you know, um, Christmas morning, you know, we would always smell the peach cobbler cooking and my mom would make like a 10 pound peach cobbler and she would make like 20 sweet potato pies and they would always be lined up on the table when you came downstairs. And so, you know, I named it Porch Light Peach Cobbler, you know, as a homage to her, you know, and and what she would do and bake them, you know, make all the dough and the crust from scratch. And, you know, there's flour everywhere. She just really did such an amazing job. And the porch light, you know, I just remember, you know, just going out playing with my friends and, you know, you're riding your bike. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have Internet. We didn't didn't have any of those things. But when the porch light came on, you knew it was time to come in the house. But it really signified a lot more than just you knew that it was time to come in the house as we got older and we all grew up and we moved away and started on our own lives as grownups. You know, I just noticed just coming back home to Cleveland, Ohio, my mom's porch light was always on and it really just signified in the South that this house is safe, that no matter how far away you go, no matter how long you stay, we'll keep the porch light on, we'll be waiting for you. So it's more like welcome home. So, you know, those were some of the things that really inspired me to do the pint, uh, such as peach cobbler. Um, Another pint was uh, the red velvet cheesecake. The red velvet cake was one of the first cakes that the African-Americans ate when they got their freedom back. So red velvet cake is really considered a celebration cake. So those are some of the really cool things like the Uncle Charles brown sugar bourbon. We all have an Uncle Charles in our family. You know, that's our cool uncle. He dresses cool. You know, he plays with us. You know, he's the big kid, you know, and 
he's 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 just your uncle charles and and normally he's your mom's brother you know and he always has his flask and you know i was about to say he always has a brim <laughs> he, he always has his brim and you know it's just like people really could resonate with those brands and and the flavors and the names and different things like that because i'm just an average person just like anybody else and and you know, I always say cheers to the underdog because I am the under, underdog on the shelf. You know, I'm right next to some really big giants like Nestle and Ben and & Jerry's. And to be able to compete with that, and really I'm just competing with myself because, you know, I'm just trying to be the best Creamalicious that I can be, not the best anything else, not better than anyone, just to reach my greatness and walk in my greatness and my full potential. So those are some of the biggest things for me. It's just kind of like being like Disney, the storyteller. So, you know, we, we're the storyteller, really, Creamalicious is. So let's go back to how you got to this place where you are literally on the shelf next to giants. Um, figuring out shipping is always a difficult process for food entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. And before you were retail, um, or in addition to being retail, I know you customers can order directly from your website. So mm -hmm. I can only imagine how complicated it is to figure out shipping for ice cream. The, I, what was that process like for you? It was hard, you know, because logistics, you know, like once you you do the, the flavors, the formulation, you, you get the money for your packaging, everything's designed, ordering, you know, now you have to figure out how much to order, you know, how much to get produced, different things like that. And, you know, you have to have packaging to fill the pints and then the pints have to be filled. You have to get on the production schedule. You have to pray to God, you got a really good manufacturer that's gonna actually make the product the way that it's supposed to be made all the time you know, the quality control and so on and so forth. And then you have to make sure that that product actually gets on the truck and it gets there safely, not damaged, and it gets shipped on time. Um, there's so many different things that can happen, you know, and a lot of times it goes great, but then sometimes it goes bad. And sometimes when it goes bad, it's always that time you really couldn't afford to have something go bad. And logistically, like things are just out of your hands at that point, you're really depending on, you know, passing that baton to three to four other, you know, entities to make sure that it gets delivered to go on the shelf. What was that learning curve like for you? I mean, because like you said, you've got to put your trust in the, the partners that you're working with at that point um, because it's out of your hands. But you also don't want a bunch of angry customers who mm -hmm. have like a puddle of ice cream delivered to their house. And so how did you uh, figure out the right logistics for your shipping? Did you have a consultant? Was it trial and error? Um, definitely. I have a I have you know, a lot, a group of advisors around me that have about 30 years of experience in the ice cream business. Um, they've worked with some of the largest brands, most popular brands in the world, and they're now on my team. So really, even before I started this, I took a lot of time to build my own team around me that was going to give me the support and educate me on the things that I needed to know to be in this field. And a lot of studying and a lot of research on ice cream and how I wanted my brand to be and my business model 
as well. So, you know, surrounding yourself with the best team is definitely going to be something that's going to be key because it really doesn't matter how much financing you have or how great your flavors are and all these different opportunities if you don't have a good team. And so for me, I listen to my team. I don't do anything without speaking to my advisors. And, you know, it may be things that I want to do and pull the trigger on, but it's not that time, you know, and that's what, you know, in order to be the best that you can be, you have to be willing to take advice and slow down and really be strategic about the next move that you make for your brand. That's, that's such good advice. I think entrepreneurs need to hear more of that because, you know, uh, they're excited. They've got an idea. They've got a product. They want to get it out to as many people as possible. And so they're always ready to move to the next step. And rarely do you hear the advice from entrepreneurs who are saying, no, I wasn't really ready for that. I, I needed to slow down. Or someone who knows better than me said, not yet. Um, so was that hard for you to hear? Or you know, are you one of those people who are like, no, I'm just going to trust it because I brought this team around me just for this purpose? Well, I mean, you know, if you know, sometimes that I'm an artist, so sometimes I don't like to be told no, if, especially if it's something I think I can do on my own. But I do want to be successful. I want to win. I want a championship ring. So in order for me to win, I have to be willing to be open and to listen. And, you know, businesses have their, their peaks and, and valleys. I've had super successful businesses, and I've also had businesses that I failed at. So it's about learning a lot of lessons, but that doesn't mean you have to live in your lessons at the end of the day. So if you're not willing to be open to understand exactly what you're dealing with and make the best decisions for your company, because you're not going to be perfect, but sometimes you only get that one shot so you know i just come from a place where you know i can not afford to make so many errors because it's just not me you know when you're dealing with companies uh, a lot of companies have investors and different things like that so if you have people that have invested in you whether they've invested their time or their money or resources you really need to be respectful of that and thoughtful of that when you do try to take the company to the next level or making decisions because if you fail we all fail so you don't want to mess of someone else's uh, efforts or money that they've invested in you and you want to be good. So, you know, I try to work at a very high level of excellence um, each time that I try to do something and I tend to really stay in my lane of things that I know. So I don't try to, to move all around in different spaces. You know, I really try to stay in things that really can complement my brand to help it, to help it grow and scale. Along with the ability to reach customers across the country comes the necessity of meeting that demand. Um, you already spoke about, um, you know, uh, some of the steps that go into getting a formulation and a manufacturer. Um, that is like one of the big leaps, I think, for entrepreneurs, especially um, who are used to making a small batch product where they're hands on, they're in control of all of the steps. So how did you handle that leap to mass production? Um, just trying to uh, work with the right manufacturer. I've had, you know, some trials and tribulations with some manufacturers that, you know, were great, um, but then the brand quickly outgrew. 
um, the manufacturers, and then I've had manufacturers that weren't as transparent as they could not handle the growth of the company. But they're trying to grow their company as well, and they're, they don't understand that, you know, you, you just have to be transparent. It's a partnership. You know, and if you can't, if you don't have certain capabilities, you can't impact someone else's brand. So it's really a really big learning experience, and I'm, I'm grateful now that I have a manufacturer that I'm going to be with that's absolutely amazing, um, unlimited capacity so that I can meet the demand because it was really, it, it was crazy for me because the brand just became this, it's, it's, it just grew very, very fast. It, we went viral three times in less than eight months. And so that was a really big deal. Um, and it really made the ice cream fly off the shelf and you can't get ice cream like you can't get ice cream in, in, in two weeks. It's like a 10 week turnaround sometimes depending on packaging or what's going on in the world. So some things are out of your control, um, but you know, you have to be prepared to keep up with the demand. And then you, you have to understand like, well, you can't go around spending a million dollars on inventory and then nobody's buying it because you don't have a marketing plan. And in order to have a marketing plan, you need money. And, and in order, you know, to, to have inventory, you need marketing. So it's kind of like the chicken before the egg, the, heart, the cart before the horse. So you kind of have to balance it as much as, as, as possible. But, you know, also try to control the narrative as well and the expectation uh, of the customer that is looking for your product as well. So I'm, I'm so glad you said that because I think when I've spoken to other entrepreneurs who have gone viral, they always describe it like the best worst problem to have mm -hmm. because, you know, it's it's what everyone wants is for people to be thinking about their product and become aware of their product and want their product. But then, as you said, you can't get ice cream onto the shelves in two weeks and no. customers don't really understand that. I think we're getting better as consumers um, because of all of the delays we've had during the pandemic and the supply chain issues and now especially with the baby formula shortage, like people are realizing that you can't just go from, you know, okay, we're, we're good at the factory to we have stuff on the shelves like tomorrow. So mm -hmm. um, how did you manage those expectations to your consumers or how did you communicate? Yeah, I mean, even, you know, online, you can pre-order and when it's back in stock, things get sold out and, you know, they, they're out of stock all the time, clothes, shoes, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, just controlling, you know, the narrative of, and, and just setting the expectation that, you know, you can pre-order and we'll fill the order once it comes back in. So those are some of the big, big, you know, things that, that we have uh, going on as far as online. And then, you know, in the stores, you know, you just, you have to look at things and you just have to figure out a way to do more products. So if, you did 10,000 cases of banana pudding, you know, with it going viral and, and, and the momentum behind that, you may want to try to do three times more uh, the next time and just really get your par levels up. So that can be just like, you know, even owning a restaurant and different things like that. If you, if you, you know, have, you know, chicken or fish or anything like that, you want to make sure you have X amount in your warehouse or in your restaurant at all times, that's going to carry you over, you know, especially if you know that it's X amount of weeks before you can get packaging and different things like that. So that's why planning is a really big deal. Planning is very important for your business and to really look and pay attention to um, just, just how you're growing and, and all of your graphs and different things like that. Data is the 
extremely important. And if you're not taking the time to really understand your business, learn your business, and forecast, forecasting is really big, then you're not going to be very successful. So I love that you can walk into Walmart or Target and buy your ice cream. I think that that is huge. I know it's so How dope. It is so dope. Yes. (laughs) It is. Um, And I love that. I've I've interviewed a couple of other CEOs from, you know, brands that are now on the shelves, Partake Foods. I'm like, yes, let's just take over like all the aisles in the supermarket. I love it. Um, But how did you get on the shelves of the largest retailer in the country? Call and ask. You know, um, my story is very compelling. Um, and it's, it's a great product, you know, it deserves to be on the shelf just like anyone else. You know, my big thing is yes, you know, it's cream malicious is a super premium ice cream. There's no other ice cream in the market like cream malicious. We're the only two in one dessert. We're chef inspired. It's the only ice cream that you see right now. That's really backed by a real, a real chef, you know, so that's a really big thing. Um, as, as innovative as it was, you know, you have all these things going on. And by the way, you know, the CEO is an African-American woman. I don't want to leave with that. I didn't go through any diversity departments, although there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, I wanted to enter the market on my own merits, not because um, we're trying to reach a quota or because there was some type of handout or some type of rule that said we had to have X amount of minorities. I I just didn't like that. I didn't like that um, being, you know, some kind of shelter over my company because the thing is we deserve to be on the shelves just like anybody else if we can, you know, maintain that uh, status of being on the shelf. So it shouldn't have anything to do um, with race or um, if you're a female or not, it shouldn't have anything to do with that. And I just like to lead with my gifts. You said, I make a good ice cream and and you should sell it because people want to buy it. And that's yeah. it. And not everybody's going to like your stuff. You know, that's fine. You know, but at the same time, you know, we'll, we'll get, you know, comments like I'm just going to stick with, you know, and I'm like, OK, well, that that's fine because you like what you like. Right. But the thing is, you know, that's what life is all about, having variety, having a choice, you know, you know, nobody wants to eat the same thing all the time, not even for cream malicious, but, you know, you support it, you know, if you like it, and if you don't like one flavor, you know, there's many flavors, there's going to be tons of flavors coming out. And it's just really about, you know, building generational wealth. It's about being a part of something great. It's about, this is bigger than me, right? It's, it's, you know, I have an opportunity to, make a way for other entrepreneurs like myself to be on the shelf when people didn't believe, you know, and people said, oh, you know, this is just a joke. You're not going to do it. You know, you know, I had so many people that didn't believe that it could even go as far as it did, but I believed and that's what made it all the, all the more for me. And then there was this group of people that really did believe in me. And those are the people that I focused on the most. I didn't focus on the naysayers because that's what, you know, they never owned a business or anything. So they couldn't understand, you know, my vision or my dream because I'm a visionary, right? So I don't expect other people to to understand like the things that I see because it's bigger than me, you know, and, and I want to make sure that someone else like me, the underdog, has that opportunity as well. No journey like this comes without some bumps along the way. Um, when you look back 
at the road to building a national brand, uh, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned? Um, just, you know, really, uh, when, you're, when you have a, a car full of people and if they're not helping you drive, if they're not putting some gas in the tank, helping you pump the gas, you just, sometimes you just have to pull over and let those people out, you know, because, you know, it's, it's really not about the destination. It's always about the journey. I know exactly where I'm going. I know where I'm going to end up. But along the way, those are the, you know, those are the times where you really get to see life. You know, just imagine being in a car. That's the, Those are the times where you can roll the window down. You can feel, feel the air on your face. Those are the times you get to learn and you, you're pulling over in new towns. You know, if you, you equate that to the journey in life and you're meeting new people, you're able to touch someone, you're able to inspire, you know, and these are so many things that happen on this journey before you actually read that, reach that destination. So, you know, making sure that, you know, again, I always say if people took a back row seat to your failures, you know, don't give them a front row seat to your success because people want to be with you when you're winning. You know, everybody wants to be with you when you're winning, but when you're not winning and things are slow, you know, you need to understand who's at, who's with you at that time. So, you know, what I'm trying to do right now with my businesses is just really focus on people that are adding value to my life, you know, because then I can put more into my brand. I can put more into my foundation that I'm trying to build so that I can help other entrepreneurs reach their dream as well. And uh, do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs out there who might have a product that they're currently selling locally at markets or pop-up shops and they want to take that next step and level up and try to figure out how how to sell nationally yeah i mean just it, it's it's not a game you know like you know i would i would love to hear from some of them because i'm i'm always willing to help and, and i love it you know but understand if you know we only have this one life and time we can't get time back and what we need to do is you need to be serious write a business plan have a plan so when you are talking to someone and you need somebody to invest in you and all these things are going on, so you can really understand your product and what your plan is because people are going to want to know those type of things. Don't waste your time doing something that you know that, you know, the next thing you're going to, going to jump off into something else and just never give up on your dreams. No matter how many times you fail, no matter how many times things don't go right, no matter how close you were and somebody said they were going to do something and they didn't do it and doors get slammed in your face, don't give up, you know, because you can do whatever it is you put your mind to. And everybody has their own personal greatness. And it's, you know, and if you're meeting people that are on the shelves that have reached a level of success and they don't want to share how they got there, then don't you don't need to run after them. You know, call me. I'll tell you everything because I just want to see you win, you know, because if you win, we all win. That is what we love to hear at Black Enterprise. So before we wrap up, I just want to ask, now that you're national, what's next for Creamalicious? Are you guys going global? Yes, I would like to. Um, Creamalicious has creamers coming out. We have a full-blown dessert line. We have a lot of really cool stuff coming out, and it's really cool. Um, today, I did a uh, lemon and sweet tea ice cream for McAllister's Deli. They're national, so it's a partnership. And they are known for their Southern sweet tea. And 
we did a collaboration and turned their lemon sweet tea and sugar cookie uh, ice cream and I turned it into ice cream. So they, they have a sweet tea ice cream. So it's, you know, really the first of many national collaborations. And it's really, really cool that uh, they reached out to me to collaborate. So we're going to be uh, doing a lot more product development. Wow. Thank you so much, Liz, Thank you. for sharing your small business success story. Everyone out there, please take a look at the company website, SoCreamalicious.com. You can also follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SoCreamalicious. Thank you. Check out the po- Yes, thank you. <laughs> Check out the podcast channel on BlackEnterprise.com to find Sisters, Inc. and other podcasts from Black Enterprise writers, editors, and experts. Be sure to subscribe to Sisters, Inc. on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. And if you like what you hear, show us some love by leaving a five-star review or put a sister on by spreading the word. This is Elisa Gums with Sisters, Inc. for Black Enterprise. Thank you for listening.